P-S-N-Y. Definitely caught that non-COVID illness that was going around Yankee Stadium last week. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's a wonder I even have a voice because now I just got this this like uh, hot water lemon concoction in uh in my in my wife's crazy cat lady mug because that was the only <laughs> clean one. Anyway, uh, as I slurp a sip of that, what's up, guys? It is uh, welcome back to Bleacher Creatures episode one thirty one. Uh, this is brought to you as always by Elite Sports NY. Crossing Broad, Excel Media, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, so, Alec, uh, how's it going, man? I am on cloud nine right now. Oh, yeah. My Rangers, my Rangers one. just kicked the crap out of the Rangers, or out of the Lightning. Let's go. Alec and the Yankees still- are kicking butt. So. Six nothing. And we have a, a special guest in the, in the studio again today. You know him from the Nick State of Mind podcast and everything Nick's related on Twitter. Danny Small, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, good to be on. I know uh, some of the stuff we're going to get into today. Uh, Josh and I have been having this debate over Slack <laughs> for the last few weeks here. So oh, okay. it's going to be good to so finally take this out into the open. We're jumping right into it. All right. So as usual, <laughs> I, brought, I brought receipts. Uh, May 18th, I'm just a boy standing in front of a GM asking him to trade for Wilson Contreras. May 25th, today would be a good day for the Yankees to trade for Wilson Contreras. Right before that, very rudely retweeting a simple no to my article saying why Jose Trevino is fine as a starting catcher. (laughs) Danny, Danny, you uh, have had lots of opinions about the Yankees trading for Wilson Contreras. I'm going to open up the floor and let you state your case as to how wrong you are. Okay. All right. I like, I like that little, that little lead in. Um, but essentially where I'm at, and this is, I I've been tweeting some of that stuff since the beginning of the year and before Trevino kind of went on this little run here. Cause I like, I'll give him that. Like Trevino has been playing well. He plays a good catcher uh, defensively back there and he's hitting the ball a little bit. Um, so like, this isn't, I'm not here to hate on Trevino. If we want to hate on Higgy, I'll do that, but okay. I'm not going to hate on Trevino too much. But my thing with Contreras, and it really it started the season, it was kind of like a wide open, a few guys in there, but now I'm obviously narrowing in on Contreras. I think for the Yankees, they're clearly a team with World Series aspirations. They got the rotation. They got the bullpen. You know, I mean, if everyone stays healthy, obviously that's the caveat here, but they got the rotation. They got the bullpen. Their outfield um, obviously isn't perfect with guys like Hicks. Gallo's not hitting. But the outfield is in pretty good shape. The infield, if it stays healthy, is in good shape. The one spot on the team where I see, and they really need, like, a, an upgrade because nothing against Trevino or Hagee, but that's their, to me, the one glaring hole on this roster. Um, and I think a guy like Contreras just really fits because Yankees got Rizzo last year when they were just kind of selling guys off. They didn't have to pay a ton in prospects to get them. Contreras is in that same spot, kind of, um, where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. The Yankees aren't going to be looking to sign him, I don't think, after that, because you got Austin Wells coming up at 2023, 2024, whenever that is. 
So I don't think they're looking for anyone long-term, but for this year, it's, you know, this is a team that is capable of winning the world series. I just don't think you can kind of sit back and say, well, Trevino's he's having a little hot streak here. We're fine with him. I, I don't think if you're the Yankees, I think for what it would cost to get him, it would make sense to go get him because in a perfect world, Trevino would keep hitting. And then you're like, all right, well now we have Contreras who's a great hitter. And now we have Trevino who's playing pretty well too. Um, Cause just on the Contreras thing, he's having a really good year hitting wise. He's had a couple down years in the, uh, and not even down years, just almost like average years in 2020, 2021, yeah. but his OPS is 909 this year. And obviously like, not many guys are hitting with all the stats being down. So Contreras to me just seems like the logical candidate where the Yankees won't have to just really like unload top prospects to get them. They'll have to give up, you know, a few guys, maybe one or two, um, maybe in that like nine to 15 range, which is, you know, not cheap necessarily, but it's not like they're giving up Dominguez or Volpe or anyone like that. So I think in with this year in mind, Yankees need to win a World Series sooner or later or else, you know, Cashman's going to be in some hot water. I think that's the guy that you can just target and say he would be a big upgrade to our team over having a Higgy Trevino platoon. You go Contreras starting and then you have a very, very good backup in Trevino. So that's really and, you know, obviously in Slack and on Twitter, I like playing it up a little bit. And I like going after Josh a little bit when he's uh, on the Trevino train. But I think they could just make themselves a much better team. And I think it's a very doable thing for Cashman to get done by the trade deadline. Alec, you are not only a hitting instructor, you are a former college athlete. And you played your fair share at catcher. Uh, What's your take? Should the Yankees trade for Wilson Contreras? So I think it's a... you got to look at the coin on both sides. Right. And I agree with everything that was just said. He is having a fantastic offensive year. It seems like he's hitting the ball harder than he's ever had before. Like not even like max exit velos, but on average, he's getting his barrel to the ball more consistently. And I think it would be pretty safe to say like with, you know, a guy like JT Romuto struggles to begin the year, he's probably the best hitting catcher in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that has me hesitating is what he's doing on the defensive side of the game, because he, I'm looking at the baseball savant page right now, and I'm looking at all the top ranked catchers for catcher framing runs. And, you know, so how many runs they're saving by stealing strikes. And in the top three, number three is Jose Trevino at three catching runs saved. But then you scroll all the way down to Wilson Contreras, he's at a negative two. So he's having a negative impact on the defensive side of the ball. And I've, you know, we've all sat there and experienced the the roller coaster that was Gary Sanchez. It got to the point near the end of his tenure where I was believing in, you don't need that big offensive contributions from the catching position. Like, I, I firmly believe that. I think a catcher can make up what he lacks with the bat with what he does on the defensive side. And it had and me thinking. So, so, sorry, I'll just interject. Not just what he does on the defensive side, but just the kind of relationships he builds with the pitching staff. Well, yeah, exactly that. Because, I mean, we, we remember last year how uh, Higgy was Cole's personal catcher. And now it seems like, you know, Higgy can't even get starting time anymore. 
with I mean, his struggles are not are not just on the offensive side, but on both sides uh, mm-hmm. of the ball. Which actually, I'm going to have a little tangent here. I had a buddy in our fantasy league name his team uh, getting Higgy with it, and about two <laughs> weeks into the season, he had to change his team name because Higgy was that bad. So, shout yeah, out to you. You know sense. who you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to like, all right, so what? what should we value out of the catching spot? Should we value offense? Should we value defense? Should we value a little mixture of both? And it kind of had me thinking, I'm like, let's throw an arbitrary number. Maybe the last six, seven years of World Series champions, how many of them had catchers who were as good as Contreras with the stick, but also as bad as Contreras with the glove? I mean, I've done a quick search. The only two guys that kind of stand out to me are Jan Gomes when the Nationals won and then Will Smith of the Dodgers. But, I mean, if you go back to, like, the 2018 Red Sox, Sandy Leone hit 180 throughout the season. I so, mean, I, I de- this definitely uh, brings back – I was speaking of, speaking of the devil. He's coming up for looking for his third hit of the game right now. Uh, this kind of <laughs> harkens back to the, to the conversations that you and I had in our Yankees group chat, Alec about like everyone be like oh like gary sucks this gary sucks that and all the time i'm here going okay yeah he's terrible but who's gonna who's gonna be better for him at better than him at this point and now you're just kind of proving the point maybe you don't need that big bopper of a catcher on every team maybe having someone who kind of does the little things like trevino who just grounded out who frames the ball well who puts the ball in play even if he's not getting the sexiest hits I don't yeah, know. I think there's a lot of value in someone like Trevino that you don't really need, even if he is a glorified backup who's just kind of running hot. I don't even think you need to, for lack of a better word, upset the apple cart just by bringing in someone like Wilson Contreras, who has a great bat, but not much else. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I, I love the energy Contreras brings. He kind of has that swagger that, you know, I think would fit pretty well in New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, with they, the Yankees definitely have to address the issue that's going on with Hickey. I mean, that goes without saying um, right now we're running with probably one catcher who we can really trust in. Um, and that's Trevino, but I don't know. Like I, I, I wouldn't be eager to trade for Contreras just to make him the starter. Now, if he's a valuable bat off the bench and a guy that you maybe play at the you know first four or five innings maybe two at bats in a game and then you bring in a defensive end maybe i could see it work but i mean i'm not i'm not as eager yeah i I mean i wouldn't even be opposed i was thinking about something like that today like even you know say you know trevino you want to have him in there for his glove when you know a certain pitcher is going would be that cole or whoever and then you know when cole comes out in the sixth or seventh inning there's a big spot and Trevino's up. You could even reverse that and have Contreras as, you know, a pinch hit in that situation. And I'm not even like, I think I'm at the point where if they trade for Contreras, I think he should be the starter, but if they trade for Contreras and then it's him and Trevino, I think that's a really good combination. Cause I definitely, I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from, from the defensive side. There are two positions I think where you can live with less offensive production but more defense. I think it's probably catcher and shortstop, which is where the Yankees are are at right now. So uh, like, 
And the thing I think that has really stuck out for me and why I've been, I've been banging this drum for so long is because I think that the Yankees, you know, have done a pretty good job of building a world series contender, but I don't think they're immune from, you know, say Trevino gets injured. I think then the Yankees would be in, you know, full force mode of going looking for a catcher. Uh, I think, I just think it's, it's one of their few spots where they can stand to improve and, if you can improve there, I mean, maybe they get a reliever or somebody like that at some point, but if you can improve anywhere, it's catcher. And I would say, why not? Why not do it when this is a year when you clearly um, are capable of making a deep run in October? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um... And I like, I do like that idea of like, you know, maybe Contreras starts, he gets a few at bats and then Trevino comes in for defense. Like, I think Yankees, all that that's stuff not unprecedented happen. either because you'll because uh, you'll you guys will recall 2018 how the Yankees had in Duhar Miguel and Duhar at third base mm-hmm. start the game play about five innings all of a sudden here comes a Danny Hetcheveria to play defense for yeah. the yeah. last few frames yeah. so it certainly could work I mean I don't know how into that idea uh, Contreras would be just because he I have heard he's had a rep for being kind of a hothead but. Also, uh, someone to consider now, obviously, this would be a case where if he's up on the major league roster consistently, the Yankees should consider a deal for Wilson Contreras. Rob Brantley, not the best hitter, but again, not incompetent. He's kind of he's kind of like in that sort of Higgy realm where, yeah, he's never going to be a starting catcher, but he's also an extra left handed bat. Uh, he can turn on a fastball if needed. You guys will recall in the White Sox doubleheader, he broke up Michael Kovic's perfect game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so he can play too. But again, it's all a matter of how willing the Yankees are to kind of taking that, for lack of a better word, taking the L on offensive catcher just in exchange for someone who can block a ball well, steal a fastball low in the zone, build a solid relationship with the pitching staff. Because Jose Trevino encapsulates all of those things, and he just seems like a good dude uh, in general. So, I don't know. I think that for now, you definitely ride the hot hand at a minimum. He's definitely easy to root for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And I I think we all agree, this is definitely the year to kind of go all in. I mean, it it just – So, maybe that problem is solved by other means to where – Maybe they stand a little pat with the catching side, or maybe they go for more of a depth piece and rather like kind of a, I don't want to call him a showstopper, but someone as big of a name as Contreras, but they find ways to provide extra support for the bats in other areas, you know, kind of like within the same vein as a carpenter deal, you know, um, where it's like, okay, they're, they're going to be comfortable with, you know, okay, let's just say they're three catchers, Brantley, Trevino and Higgy, right? Uh, but then they can make up for their lack of offense through more bench bats, uh, another depth piece that can maybe split time in the outfield or whatever. So um, it's it's a good problem to have for sure because like it just kind of feels like house money right now. We're sitting here, we're watching the Yankees, like they were, they're killing the Angels right now, and like. We have a cat. We have we still have some issues in the lineup where it's like, hey, they got time to figure it out because they got to such a hot start. 
They really did. I, I don't think anybody anticipated this kind of a hot start from the Yankees. Like I, We were talking, um, Alec, earlier on in the season, how, okay, this is a good Yankees team. Like we're not, we're not sure how good they are, but it's definitely better than last year. And now here they are. They have a pretty good lead in the division, fresh off of a series with the Rays. Seems like a perfect time to transition into that. Uh, so four-game series down at the Trop. Series split, pretty much, in, in my mind, that's as good as a series win because not, no one uh, gained nor lost ground in the race. Mm-hmm. Danny, you watched that series. Like, What do you make of the Rays as a team this year compared to the last couple of seasons? I think they're not as scary to me as they were last year, maybe the year before. Mm-hmm. But I think in as of anyone in the division, they're the ones who scare me the most. Um, I, I'm not a huge – I'm not like – too terrified of the Blue Jays. I think they're probably still a little young. I think they still have like a little ways to go. The Rays, though, it just they always seem to find a way to get it done. And they've got all these weird arms in the bullpen that they can just roll out at you. Um, they've got guys who just seem to hit against the Yankees whenever they go up against them. Um, I mean, Choi in past years has been, you know, the biggest Yankee killer around. Kier Myers always a thorn in their side. It seems like the Rays are just to me, they, they are the ones that I'm looking at right now, the rest of the year. And like you said, you know, splitting with them two two, not a bad thing in my eyes because you just stand pat. You have a lead. Obviously they play more series. They're going to have to, you know, make a move against them to, to really move forward. But I think just kind of uh, looking at their old stats here, Last year against Tampa Bay, they were eight and eleven. So, if you can flip that this year um, and take some more games, I think the Yankees could hold on to the division. Um, but yeah, Rays they still scare me. They still scare me, even though they might be a little bit down from where they were in past years. Yeah, I think uh, what scares me the most of them still is the pitching. Uh, yeah. Look, we dropped the two games against them, but I don't think we could really be upset about anything about those games. The pitching was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, credit to where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Tampa can still pitch. Yeah. Now, like, their their bats are their bats are questionable. Yeah, G-Man Choi, you know, tagged up uh, Severino, which looked like the most effortless swing in the world. It made me mad. Um, but, you know. It was pretty effortless, too. I, I actually didn't see that when I was, I think I was out, but um, that, that, that was a bullet. <laughs> but like, you know, Franco is now having consistent injury issues. Mm-hmm. As he's well on, the, as he's on, on the IL now with a quad. Yeah. And, and that, and that had been bothering him. I, I would know because I am on my fantasy team that had yeah. been bothering him like a couple weeks leading up to his IL stint, but it's like the offense doesn't scare me nearly as much. Cause like, you know, noted Yankee killer, Austin Meadows is gone. Maybe it's because Brandon Lau has been hurt, so we didn't really see That's him. True, yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's still the pitching that scares me. Um, I mean, I, sure. I'll rehash. I'll rehash something I bre- we briefly discussed with Max Goodman uh, last week, and Danny, you've you've seen me write about this on the site. Uh, I have a theory that after some point last season, like after they lost two, like two or three or three or four to the Rays at the Trop, the Yankees just sat down and said, "Okay." We've been playing sub 500 ball at the stadium for several years now. What's wrong with this place? Let's just like powwow. Everyone let it all out. What's so bad about the trap? Let's confront it. Great. How do we address this going forward? 
And now you see where the Yankees take the field at Tropicana Field, they almost have a little extra bounce in their step, whereas in previous years, they look, they were very clearly playing like they didn't want to be there. And now you saw in those first two games, okay, the power, the Yankee power and depth is on full display. Game three, Garrett Cole, he's clinging to a one nothing lead. What happens if that strike three to G-Man Joy? Game four, uh, the Rays won that, win that one four to one. Okay, but they only score those last two runs because the bullpen implodes. Otherwise, two solo home runs are their only hits. So, like like Danny said, I think I'm very I'm very scared of the Rays because they do have a lot of pitching depth. If they're having a bullpen day, God help any team who who uh, has to hit against that. But in the same vein, they not only can get hot at the right time and play spoiler. But they've also got the pieces so that they can acquire someone like like Nelson Cruz, like they did last year, someone like a Wilson Contreras, mm-hmm. someone like uh, a Will Myers, who they traded to the Padres all those years ago. So uh, they've got a, another series coming up at Yankee Stadium fairly soon. On home field, I have to imagine we're going to find out who the better team is of the two. Am I right? I would think so. I would think so. And just kind of like jumping off what you guys are saying about the pitching. Yeah. It's like that those bullpen days are just what scares me with the Rays because you get into a big game with them and they've got so many different weapons that throw so many different ways and so many different pitches. Uh, it just makes it very tough on the lineup. And we've seen the Yankees struggle against them and, you know, that pitching staff in big moments in the past. Uh, I think, you know, going to my head today, I would say, I think the Yankees are going to win the division. But that's still the Rays. Um, you got to keep an eye out on them. They've proven time and time again over the recent years uh, that they know how to do it. And the other thing we haven't even talked about, but Kevin Cash, you know, is just a phenomenal manager too. So he he changes the game a little bit there too. Kevin Cash is a phenomenal manager, but you also can't really ignore that. That uh, This isn't to take away anything from the Rays, but a lot of their success the last few years has been because the Yankees have underachieved so against them. Also true. Yeah, because like if you look, I actually last year looked back at this. Half the time that the Rays beat the Yankees last year, it was because in untimely walks, untimely error, Mm. like like a cheapy home run. Like the list goes on. Um, Alec, there was something I wanted to ask you about on the matter that'll it'll come back to me. Uh, But anyway, Uh, yeah. Well, we we have something to say anyway. Yeah. Well, I was also just thinking. um, This is the first year with the expanded playoffs, right? So yeah. now it, it mm-hmm. now it's not a matter of just winning the division. It's making sure that you have one of the top two best records in the American League. Yeah. So if the Yankees can keep up the pace that they are on, which is a tough ask, they're you know playing at a very high rate of successful baseball. Then maybe some of those concerns as we get deeper and deeper into the season and the postseason picture starts to kind of become clearer. It, you know, if the Yankees sit atop the AL East with one of the top two, you know, records in baseball, then they can watch their division rivals and other opponents battle it out and use up their arms before they even make it to the division series. So, like, it, it's going to – like, it's interesting because I feel like teams are going to be facing a, uh, a new problem with how they need to manage their arms – because like there's so much more at stake now. It's not just about winning the division. It's it's can you finish with the best record in baseball? Yeah, and I think baseball that I'm I'm intrigued to see how the playoffs work with this new format. Because other sports, I tend to think, and you saw it with the Rangers and the Lightning, 
like the team that, you know, you think maybe a little bit more tired or like, you know, oh, they had a tougher series before they come out and you see the Rangers, their Rangers are, you know, red hot. They mm-hmm. smoked the lightning who had a few days off. Baseball is different though. Cause obviously the pitching and the arms, that's just such a huge crucial part of it that getting that extra rest just puts you in a much better position. Uh, but I'm curious to see if maybe, you know, the Yankees are, you know, whoever has those top two spots, if one of the teams kind of lays an egg in those first couple games, just out of, you know, not be, not playing for a couple of days, the lineup doesn't see, you know, real pitching for a few days, how that affects them. Uh, but obviously if you're the Yankees or anybody else in MLB, you're fighting for those two, those top two spots, just, just to put yourselves in that position. Yeah, for sure. Also, just real quickly, Mike Trout has three strikeouts today. So. <laughs> there you go. Alec, I remember what I was going to ask you. Shifting back to the Rays and their constant bullpen games. Uh, playing in college, I, I can't imagine you had to face many teams who utilize this strategy. But just from a hitting standpoint, having to constantly change the approach for, let's say, five, six pitchers that are coming in throughout the game, that sounds mentally exhausting for a hitter. Yeah, it's <laughs> – so like one of the things I always struggled with was, you know, you, you, you see one pitcher more than once and you kind of develop like that confidence, depending how the day is going. It's like, okay, I've seen what this guy has. I feel like I can get a little bit more aggressive, jump on him a little bit quicker. And then once they start bringing in the new arms, it like you feel like you have to pull back on that game plan. It's like, all right, I got to kind of, I, I got to really pay attention now and see how, not just how hard he's throwing the movement profile of his pitches and all that information. It does, it, it, it becomes a lot more difficult and you feel a little less comfortable stepping up to the plate because, you know, I, I, I think I remember a, a handful of times where I'm on the on deck circle and I'm, I'm picking the guy up well as he's facing the guy in front of me. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this is the guy I want to hit. Like, you know, fastball looks straight. I, I can read his, you know, curveball immediately. And then all of a sudden, as I'm walking up to the plate, the coach comes out and they bring out a left-handed pitcher who's throwing more three quarters. I'm like, oh, now I'm not as comfortable, right? Now I got to adjust. And and instead of being kind of like hunting for your pitch to hit, you got to be a little bit more defensive or a little bit more patient and just try to grind it out more. So, yeah, it's a real thing. It, 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 you know, and now, you know, I, wasn't facing guys who were throwing 99 mile an hour sinkers all the time with disgusting sliders. But I mean, yeah, it's, it, I'm, it was always annoying when, you know, the Rays would go like one guy, two outs in the first, and then they change it. And it's just, mm-hmm. first off, it slows the game down. Second off, it's, yeah. it feels like it's cheating the system, uh, even though it's not. Uh, but yeah, it just like, the league lets that happen. And it's like, I feel like MLB is the only league where they try to actively suppress offense and it drives me insane. So on the flip side too, sometimes when like you, you're talking about how like you get to know a starting pitcher and you feel a little more comfortable on the flip side, when you get the starter out and you go to the bullpen, sometimes that's a confidence boost. Cause you're like, all right, we're, we got into the bullpen. Now we yeah. can see somebody else, but the bullpen game takes that away. Because they're just changing every inning. I, so I remember you never that moment where you're kind of like, all right, we broke through. We might not have gotten too many off him, mm-hmm. but now we're in the bullpen. That yeah. 
bullpen game. You, Danny, you, you, you nailed it because I uh, you're making me remember how I think what right when spring training started back up again uh, on R2C2, Cesar Sabathia and Aaron Hicks were talking about how much like not if you get to a team's bullpen early in a game, how that could actually mess them up for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. So, so yes. like that that's absolutely like that's absolutely true right there. Shifting topics topics again, uh, keeping with some Yankee stuff. How about Derek Jeter finally joining social media? <laughs> Took him long enough, I, right? I love it. I love it. You he, knew uh, that he had something to promote, though. That's you <laughs> coming on. It's like, what's coming next? I, I mean, like, I, I'm pretty sure this was the the producers for the captain being like, mm-hmm. hey, we, we really need you on Twitter to help us sell this thing. Not that they need help selling it, because it's like baseball's version of The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I know every single one of us is going to watch every episode, like, glued to the tv but here's a question besides a rod like i know not besides a rod when is the Derek jeter a rod twitter beef coming because it's coming at some point right it has to uh i think it's going to depend what we see in the captain (laughs) and and i'm yeah yeah, like like i i i got a feeling that what what's going to come out in the in is there's going to be some like you know just a little bit more opening up at least from i, I think get a little gonna get a little spicy yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if people then start like and not just like you know a rod or former players but like I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if like you know you know how jeter's relationship was with the media and how like contentious mm-hmm. it could be sometimes yeah so like you know i you know there might be a so there might be a media presence who has to defend themselves and they take the twitter i mean you know, yeah. egos, egos, I think are going to get involved. And uh, I saw someone tweeted the other day. It's just like, how long until like people start bombard- bombarding Jeter about like, oh, you weren't that good of a defensive shortstop. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. I and like, all, like, you know, the age old yeah. shit that we listen to. And so uh, Danny, you're I, a bas- you're a basketball guy. How is all right. Before even seeing an episode, how is the captain going to measure up to the last dance? Because you got two very legendary athletes in the respective sports, Michael Jordan basketball, Derek Jeter in baseball. I think for us, it'll probably match up. Very, like for us, at least myself, it'll probably be right on that level. Just, I mean, we're Yankees guys. You know, yeah. we watched Jeter's career. We saw all, all the great moments. So for us, I think it will. Outside of New York, I'm interested to see how it resonates because nobody likes the Yankees. Um, nobody likes think- Derek Jeter. Yeah, no, even even though I think people have a begrudging respect for him, like people love Jordan, even, you know, yeah, like yeah. as time went on, people loved him. And the other thing is the last dance just got so much pub because there was nothing going on. Yeah, You know, that was during COVID lockdowns where there was no sports. Yep. So it was like Sunday night. It was like that was that was the thing to do. And then which I'm not sure like, if that's like going to be immediately. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to have the same effect. Um with Jeter, but I mean, in inside New York with New Yorkers uh, and Yankee fans, especially, yeah. I think it's going to, it's going to resonate. I wouldn't um, be surprised if there's going to be a number of people who like hate the Yankees begrudgingly dislike respect Jeter, but I like maybe even like casual baseball fan will still like tune in. Like I'm like, I think so. Yeah. Like to be honest, I'm not a big basketball fan. I 
just never got into it. Um, I've yet to see The Last Dance, but it's definitely on the list because like, you know, you just know who Michael Jordan is even when yeah. you don't pay attention. I feel like I feel like Jeter kind of carries the same weight, even mm-hmm. even though he doesn't yeah, mean to the game as much you, as someone like Jordan. Yeah, you're 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 talking about two not just two iconic athletes, but two guys who who in their careers were private almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like we yeah. knew who, like Derek Jeter. Okay, he's dating Mariah Carey. He's dating uh, what's her face from Friday Night Lights. Uh, he's he's going out with um uh, the the not Michelle Rodriguez from uh from Fast and the Furious. So. <laughs> But besides that, you don't really know much about him except for a few stories from page six in the post here and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, I think that while a little controversial, the captain, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm really excited to watch it. Randy Wilkins seems like a great guy just for how much he's plugging it. And um, now as we close out the show, Danny, we're going to shift to a new thing we're doing here uh, at Bleacher Creatures. This is going to be called the Weekly Scoop. This is going to be where we focus on not the Yankees. We're going to focus on another uh, New York sport. Danny, you are ESNY's resident Knicks guy. What's happening in Knicks land leading up to the draft? All right. Um, that's actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I've been working on some draft stuff uh, the last couple of days. Uh, I think, and I don't, this isn't my scoop necessarily, but I think one of the things I would say to watch out for as the draft comes up for the Knicks is it seems like there's more buzz and more chatter that the Knicks are interested in moving up and maybe trading up to get higher in the draft, which at this point it could be, you know, eyewash from the front office trying to, you know, throw people off their scent of what they're trying to do. But more and more I'm hearing is that the Knicks are interested in moving up and trying to get a guy that they like, which the kind of the rumor that's out there right now, that the Knicks would trade up to pick number four and take Jaden Ivey out of Purdue. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, obviously things can change from day to day, but if I was telling Knicks fans right now to be on the lookout for something, just say, keep an eye out on the Knicks possibly moving up. Um, And Josh, you might be happy to hear this, but maybe figuring out a way to flip Randall in a deal (laughs) and move up while getting rid of Randall and then kind of going with the young guys as the uh, the young core. So, was, I mean, who knows, but that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. That was going to be my follow-up question because I keep, you know, as a Yankee Ranger fan, I inevitably get Nick's feed on my Twitter, mm-hmm. and I keep seeing Julius Randle's name pop up, and I was going to ask how much, you know, weight is in those rooms that, you know, he could be either the centerpiece that moves them up in the draft or just – a piece that they shed. Yeah, I think fun. I think people are kind of looking at it as like uh, the Knicks would do, the Knicks have the 11th pick and maybe doing like a pick swap with somebody where they could swap and go up to like four or seven or six and then flip Randall in that deal um, as like kind of the kicker. Because as bad of a year as he had, and I'm sure, you know, you guys have seen it on Twitter, he's get, been getting killed by Knicks fans for mm-hmm. a while. Um, basically all last season. Uh, so it just, it seems like it's coming to a close in New York, but he's not like, a, he's not a terrible player by any stretch. He's still can be a very good piece on a decent team. And all you need is one team to think like, Hey, we can fix him. We can bring him back to that, you know, all-star level player that he was all it takes is one team to, to pull the trigger. 
Danny, speaking of that, you and I both uh, both uh, help with Knicks coverage during basketball season. Uh, I joke that it keeps me occupied in the wintertime. Uh, so you saw it, you saw it as much as I did last year. What happened with Julius Randle? Like what what like went wrong? We could say it was bizarre. Like it, it was bizarre because it went from his first season was rough, but he he stuck it out. He toughed it out. He he played hard but didn't always play great last or the, the next season, his second season, complete 180, all NBA, like had an incredible year and the playoffs, they kind of fizzled out. I think maybe this season was a little bit of a case of teams kind of figured out what he did for the Knicks and why he was so successful. So they were kind of like, he was a little scouted ahead that way. And then the other thing is, I don't know if there was any like kind of internal things going on because R.J. Barrett was kind of emerging as the number one guy or like the guy. And it, it seemed like it rubbed Randall the wrong way because I hate being like the body language expert or anything like that. Yeah. But anybody could have watched some of those games and he's not hustling back on defense. He's like yelling at the refs. You see him for whole possessions, just not moving a muscle, just standing there, yeah. not helping on defense. It was just it was weird because he, I mean, he still put up decent numbers. He still he still got his numbers up. But it just did not look like a guy, the same guy that was there. And I also don't think it was like he just signed his contract and he said, "Oh, I'm paid. I'm paid." And like okay. that's it. Because so not, like, he cared. Not, not not like a J.R. Smith situation. No, yeah, because he he clearly cared. Like he would get mad at the fans for booing him. Like he yeah. clearly like didn't want to be playing poorly. But it just it nothing seemed to click last year. And I think the the youth movement kind of coming along with that kind of pressured him a little bit. Uh, and I think at this point, it just seems like a change of scenery for him would be great. And if the Knicks can kind of upgrade off of that and may move up in the draft or maybe get a couple guys back that they think could could help uh, fill a few roles, I think that would be best for everyone involved. But it was very bizarre because it, it really was like, it went from him being like, this is where I want to retire. Uh, you know, I want to bring a championship here to the next year he's, you know, giving the fans the thumb down thumbs down and like avoiding the media and calling people out. And it was just, it was just very bizarre to say. Uh, you mentioned the change of scenery, which I think leads perfectly into the last question I had on the matter. I just saw on Twitter, Mark Berman of the New York post long time on the Knicks beat. He's saying that the team is finalizing an offer for former Knicks point guard, Rick Brunson to yes. come aboard as one of Tom Thibodeau's assistant coaches. The, his son Jalen is kicking ass for the Mavericks. Knicks fans want him yesterday. The team needs a point guard. Randall's from Texas. Is this the kind of sign and trade that we could see? I would say probably not because I think I think the Mavericks would probably stay away from Randall just because he needs the ball in his hands a little bit. Right. And Luka Doncic like just dominates the ball so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I also I. I know the Rick Brunson signing, it's going to send up, you know, everybody's ears are going to perk up and, yep. and take notice and rightfully so. But um, I have a hard time seeing Mark Cuban letting Brunson go after, you know, they make the Western conference finals right. as much as he's going to have to pay him. He might just have to sack up and, and pay him because Brunson was their second best player. You lose him. Even if you're getting a player like Julius Randall back, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. All right. I got I got one more thing to ask and then a comment. 
as, the, as, they're, as they're putting the tarp on the field at the start of the yeah. next inning. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, can New York City and can Madison Square Garden handle a good Knicks team and a good Rangers team at the same time? Because I'm still waiting for that. Oof, I don't know about I, that. I, I, I mean, they, they kind of did in 94. Even, even well, though the, even though the Knicks lost, Knicks lost, but yeah, that's true. That was I was uh, I was a young pup at that time, so I don't really remember. But I think seeing the Knicks their run last year, where they didn't, I mean, they lost in the first round, but New York was going insane, and now seeing the Rangers this year, I mean, it's like Rangers fever in New York right now. Yeah. I think that would be, and I'm I'm not really a hockey guy. I'd say I'm probably an Islanders fan more than anything, but uh, like Rangers and Knicks at the same time making runs. That would be one of the best things for the city, I think. And as far as championships for New York City go, I think the Knicks are definitely up there for how much it would mean to the city. And then if you tack on the Rangers, too, who obviously have a drought of their own, um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And then just pivoting back to the Yankees real quick, uh, Aaron Judge hit a home run earlier today. Do we all forget that in the offseason, he posted a video on his Twitter saying, I'm hitting 50 again this year? I did not. I, I, I did I forget that. I, I don't. There, there is a video that was circulating of him hitting in the cage, and he just, like, hits a ball, and you just quietly hear him go, I'm hitting 50 again this year. Oh, so, yeah. It, yeah, I, I followed Judge extensively during the offseason just because, I mean, it's his contract year right now. He was putting in a lot of work, and he was having – Joey Gallo come out to the, come out and hit with him. Uh, I saw Tyler Wade there. I think uh, Andrew Velasquez spent a couple days out with him. So Judge has definitely got got a crew oh, yeah. that comes together. He's got a squad. Well, Tyler Wade tried to recruit him over to LA. Yeah, he's, <laughs> not, he's not happening. Healers out. Uh, well, well, Judge is a Clippers fan apparently. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe he'll be. He'll he's be the one for Daryl. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's everything we've covered here today on Bleacher Creatures. You can find me on Twitter at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. You can download this podcast at uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, pretty sure we're everywhere. Uh, Alec and Danny, why don't you give them your socials as well? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. And I'm on Twitter at DWSmall8. Uh, Danny, would you like to apologize to Jose Trevino before we say goodbye? No, because I think I said nice things about Trevino. <laughs> I still like I still like Contreras, but I, I this wasn't the uh, the all time like I was trying to bring down Trevino. I I like Trevino. Uh, he admits it. All right, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll clip that out. See you next week. <laughs>